We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Welcome back to Weird Distractions Podcast. This is a weekly show where I, your host Alex, rotate discussing true crime cases, paranormal hotspots, eerie folklore tales, urban legends, and conspiracy theories to provide you and more than likely what Elizabeth Maddox Roberts may have, just maybe, considered a weird distraction from everyday life. This week, I've got a weird piece of American history that's tied with so much lore that may just have you wrapped up in bewilderment. But before jumping into that, I've got a little bit of housekeeping to go over, and then I'll let you in on what I need a distraction from this week. If you have a need for a distraction that you'd like me to read on air, feel free to send it my way by either DMing me or shooting me an email. In terms of housekeeping this week, this is more of just an FYI, a little bit of a heads up that I will be taking a break for episode 196, which comes out on January 21st. Between celebrating my birthday, getting together with friends and family along with dog sitting, there's just a lot going on in my life again, as always, and I want to make sure that I'm enjoying my time. I mean, I'm turning 30, it's a big age for me to celebrate, and I just kind of want to bask in it all. So I will be taking a mini break, but have no fear, I will be dropping something on the 21st onto this feed. So keep your eyes peeled for that. In terms of my need for distraction this week, I would have to say my need for distraction is I'm trying to dodge getting sick. I feel like everyone around me has gotten some kind of cold, whether it's COVID or a gastro cold or like a sinus infection, and I'm trying so very hard, so very hard not to get sick. So that's my need for distraction. Um, I hope everyone that's tuning in is doing well, but if you're like me and you're like, hey, I, I need to think about something else other than how else I can avoid getting sick other than throwing myself into a plastic ball for the rest of my life, or at least for the rest of this month, then why don't we just jump in to this week's episode? This week's tale, being the first of 2024, is a weird one that I heard last spring while listening to the hilarious and creepy show called That Spooky. It was Tyler who covered this case on their show, which I've mentioned That Spooky a few times before, but shout out to host Johnny and Tyler who do an amazing job and keep me tuned in every week, especially with tales like the one I'm going to share with you all today, being the lore surrounding Hazel Ferris also known to some as Hazel the Mummy or the Mummy of Bessemer. Due to potential coarse language, brief mention of suicide, distressing topics, and other disturbing adult themes that could be discussed today, listener discretion is advised. If there's one thing about folklore that's most definite is that there never seems to be a lot of detail with each story. Dates, names, and everything in between can be missing from each tale, or rather, the details can find themselves ever-changing as the stories are told. Keeping our curious minds wondering the bits and details that were not provided, and perhaps hoping that one day, someday, we'll know everything about the tales that have been passed down through generations. 
When it comes to the lore surrounding Hazel Ferris, I have a hunch that we may always be wondering what actually happened to Hazel and whether her story may be true or not. From what I've gathered online, Hazel was born sometime in 1880 within the American state of Kentucky. Supposedly, Hazel's life started off considerably tragic, as retellings indicate that she was an orphan. Not much further is known about Hazel's childhood, such as how she became an orphan, who her parents were, what she was like growing up, etc. However, what has been shared with the public, to some degree, is that Hazel may have moved to Louisiana and eventually got married. The couple would reportedly reside in or nearby Louisville, aka back in the state of Kentucky, where there seems to be two versions of how their relationship panned out to the public. One branch of the lore states that Hazel, who could have been around 26 years old at the time, and her husband, who we have no information on, had a seemingly normal relationship, perhaps an odd argument here and there when Hazel's husband drank too much and would call Hazel out for her excessive spending, whereas the other branch describes a much more turbulent marriage, painting the couple as heavy drinkers who fought often and violently on top of Hazel spending beyond the couple's means. So not saying that one party was less problematic than the other, but no matter what, Hazel's painted out as someone who just likes to go shopping maybe a little too much. Nonetheless, the remainder of the ever-branching tale goes as follows. On August 6 of 1905, the couple had an argument that stemmed from Hazel wanting to purchase a new hat. The hat argument began as bickering, then yelling, before forming into a full-on physical argument, with hits and blows coming from both sides supposedly. But it was Hazel with the final blow as she ended up fatally shooting her husband in the midst of the argument, with Hazel's husband dying on the couple's living room floor. Before Hazel had really a moment to think, local police were contacted by neighbors who had overheard the gunshots. Now, some versions of this tale will state that police officers just so happened to be walking by Hazel's house when Hazel had shot her husband. Upon the police entering her home, Hazel may have decided in the moment that she didn't really want to deal with police, as the tale continues to paint her fatally shooting three responding officers. But that's not where this Wild West-like story ends, as a passing deputy sheriff heard the commotion, and so he apparently decided to investigate the situation. He enters Hazel's home, sees the now four dead men in the home, and tries to then restrain Hazel from doing anything further at this point. Now, Hazel does not go down easily. She begins fighting with the deputy, and during the scuffle, the deputy tripped on Hazel's husband's body, accidentally shooting his gun, which led to Hazel's ring finger being shot clean off in the process. Despite the injury, Hazel eventually broke free, and before leaving a witness, she fatally shoots the deputy. Word broke out quickly about the deadly situation at Hazel's home, and soon there would be a $500 reward for her capture, which in 2024, that reward would be worth a whopping $17,000. But by the time that this reward went out, Hazel already got the hell out of Dodge. Well, rather, she gets the hell out of the state of Kentucky and finds herself in Bessemer, Alabama. When it comes to her new location, I'm not sure why she picked Bessemer, Alabama. Some retellings claim that she was apparently from there and not from Kentucky, but maybe she ended up down in Alabama given it's situated under Kentucky, meaning it wouldn't be that far for her to travel to. Regardless of the reason, Hazel lands in Bessemer and tries to start a new life for herself. 
Sadly, just saying you're going to start a new life doesn't replace your past. Versions of Hazel's lore indicate that she began doing sex work to make an income, which isn't a bad thing, whereas others state that she became a schoolmistress or a housekeeper. Either way, many retellings indicate Hazel began drinking excessively whilst trying to begin this new life in Alabama. Hazel would eventually begin dating, where she would allegedly get into a relationship with an unnamed man who was a police officer. The relationship continues to blossom between the pair by means of an engagement, and, as the lore goes, Hazel decides she wants to let her new lover in on her past back in Kentucky. Hazel's new partner, again being an officer and all, decides to take this information into his police department, with reasons varying between his oath as being a police officer to him just wanting the reward money. Hazel catches wind that this takes place, and heartbroken, she decides that she does not want to go to prison. She is not wanting to risk her freedom, and perhaps she decided that she wanted to take matters into her own hands. As such, she drinks a large amount of whiskey that was apparently mixed with either arsenic or possibly strychnine, ending her life on December 20th of 1906. Hazel was barely 30 years old when she died, and her life seemed to be shrouded in such mystery. But it was what happened to Hazel after her life that would really occupy people's minds for years to come, wondering more about the real-life story of Hazel Ferris, who would slowly become Hazel the Mummy. After her body was discovered, Hazel was taken to a furniture-slash-funeral parlor called Adams Vermilion Furniture. I try to look into this establishment for today's episode just to learn more about it, and it seems like most, if not all, of its mentions were tied to Hazel's case. This doesn't necessarily mean it wasn't a real place, but I just find that quite interesting. In my research, I also found out that a lot of places ran like this. They would sell furniture and they would also sell caskets and they just so happened to host funerals from time to time. It seems like kind of a common practice in that day and age. Adams had Hazel's body for quite some time as no relatives or even friends claimed to claim her remains, which to me is sad to hear. But I think the sadness was overturned when people at Adams witnessed what was, or rather, what wasn't happening to Hazel's body. Days had passed, and it seemed as though instead of a proper decomposition process, Hazel's body actually mummified. Some people believe that the transformation occurred because of the alcohol and arsenic that Hazel had drunk. Others point to the fact that in 1906, undertakers frequently made their own embalming fluid using arsenic. After a year, Hazel was nothing more than a red-headed skeleton covered with a thin layer of brown, leathery skin, wrote Alan Brown for the Ghost Doctor website. Now, the owners of Adam's Vermilion Furniture perhaps looked at Hazel's now mummified body and saw what many others wouldn't, being an opportunity to make some money. The owner apparently decided to charge people 10 cents to view the remains of Hazel, a former wanted woman turned mummy. In 2024, the cost to see Hazel would be about $3.52, according to one of my favorite websites, being CPI Inflation Calendar. Locals and people from nearby flocked to see Hazel. I mean, they were seeing a real-life mummy in Alabama, out of all places. It was definitely quite the interesting spectacle, and it made money. 
As time went on, Adam's furniture would loan Hazel out to others to advertise her on the road and across the country. Each time the story of her life, depending on who was telling it, would be shared with onlookers who are curious to see the modern-day mummy who was described as being frightfully shriveled, bronze-colored, and leathery, according to an Atlanta Journal article. From my understanding, Hazel, sadly, became one of those once-you've-seen-it-don't-go-again attractions, which sounds awful to say regarding a former human being. This meant that once the money began to dry up in one town, Hazel's remains would be shipped somewhere else to gain more attention and ultimately more money. By May of 1907, a man by the name of Orlando Clayton Brooks, a.k.a. O.C. Brooks, reportedly purchased Hazel for a whopping $25 and featured her in his traveling show for over 40 years, in which he would strap Hazel's body to the side of his Ford Model T and apparently drive around, as such, all over the United States. I think that in itself would be something to see. Definitely problematic in today's day, but I think we can all agree this was definitely a different time in human history. I mean, they had furniture stores and funeral parlors basically running in, in the same building. It's definitely a different time. Brooks's gig made him sometimes upwards of $200 per week, which would be over $6,000 in 2024. Within this gig, Brooks played into another layer of Hazel's lore to really amp up sales. As accounts claim, some people believe that Hazel had powers, and of course, why not at this point? I mean, she was a former murderer, allegedly, she's now a mummy, and I mean, hey, why don't we throw magic into the mix? The lore states that if you rub Hazel's hand, being the one with a lost finger, she will bring you good luck and fortune. Brooks would upsell folks and make them pay a whopping 35 cents to touch Hazel's hand, which really echoes his questionable business savvy. Once Brooks had passed away, he left Hazel to be cared for by his then 12-year-old nephew, Luther, under the instruction that Luther could put her on display only if he donated the money he made. At one point, there was an ad posted in the local classifieds that offered for people to pay $1 to receive four photos of Hazel, again, with the money going to charity. Eventually, Hazel made her way back to Bessemer, Alabama, where she became an attraction at the newly formed Hall of History located at 1905 Alabama Ave. Hazel also made an appearance on the National Geographic Channel documentary titled The Mummy Roadshow. Before the owners of Hazel's now fragile corpse had her cremated in 2002. Now, before she was cremated, they had Tess Ran to figure out what exactly was going on with Hazel, the modern day mummy. I mean, how did she become the way that she was? Was it just arsenic? Was it something else? It's hard to say. These tests determined that arsenic found on Hazel was actually outside of her body meaning she perhaps had a posthumous bath in arsenic rather than just ingesting it. Which isn't so absurd to think, considering that back in the day, a lot of people were making their own embalming fluid using arsenic. And who knows, maybe the funeral director used a little too much on poor Hazel. On top of this, Hazel's cause of death wasn't necessarily determined. I mean, her body was dosed in arsenic. However, there were blood clots discovered in her lungs, which led officials to believe that she perhaps died of pneumonia. Another blow to the whole story of Hazel is the argument that Hazel may not have been a real person. There's really no documented evidence of Hazel existing prior to her mummy days, which given she supposedly murdered so many men in less than 24 hours in the early 1900s, that for sure would have been documented somewhere. I'm sure there would have been some kind of article about her at some point, but 
there was nothing. The tests and further discoveries basically shook what society thought was the life of Hazel and highlighted the emphasis on the folklore side of things even more so. Perhaps Hazel's story isn't real, but rather a well-thought-out plan to feed into the machine we know as capitalism. I will let you all be the judge of what you think the truth is, but for now, it's time for me to wrap up this week's episode. The lore surrounding Hazel's so-called life sounds mystical and something out of a movie. Whether she was a real person who was scorned by love, killed out of anger, and then traveled the country whilst dead may never be fully known. I guess that's the thing about lore. We may never know the real truth, and we almost have to be okay with that. Anyways, I hope everyone enjoyed this weird little nugget of history and lore today. As always, I would love to hear from listeners regarding your thoughts on today's episode. Feel free to shoot me an email or send me a DM. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, please consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, anyone who you think needs a distraction about the show. Doing so is one of the best ways to support this show for free. Speaking of supporting the podcast for free, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Spotify, or whatever platform you're tuning into. When it comes to any corrections that need to be made or perhaps some constructive feedback, please feel free to send me an email at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. Are you looking to rep some Weird Distractions merch? Please check out the link in today's show notes for the bonfire link. It's never a bad time to treat somebody you love or perhaps treat yourself. Although the Patreon page is currently on an indefinite hiatus, I just want to thank the previous patrons of the show. Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Alicia, Lynn, Shadow, Courtney, Cheryl, Susan, Jennifer, and Kristen. Thank you for supporting the Patreon page. I truly appreciate every single one of you. For those on social media, Weird Distractions can be found on Instagram, Twitter, Threads, TikTok, and Facebook. Lastly, I'm always wanting to hear from you. I'm looking to hear about your weird paranormal encounters, maybe too close to home true crime cases, and other weird experiences that you're willing to share to be featured on a future Listener Distractions episode. No matter how short, how long, spooky, or just weird, send your tales my way to, again, the show's email address being weirddistractionspodcasts at outlook.com. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye.